And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined, as usual, by Electrex Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. So we have a pile of new stories to cover, uh, a bunch of new e-bikes we're going to go over, but also some other interesting things. Uh, solar-powered electric boat, a guy built a DIY electric motorbike that sits six people, uh, a whole just pile, smorgasbord. All sorts of interesting stories. So where are we going to start off this week, Seth? All right. Rad Power Bikes launches Rad Trike, the first major e-bike maker with an affordable three-wheeler. And I guess affordable is kind of the key word there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, whenever we talk about affordable e-bikes, everything's relative. And so we won't, you know, hold this one back too far. Uh, but the price is twenty four ninety nine. And for some of you are going to be saying, well, Rad sells bikes that are like, you know, 1300 bucks. How is that affordable? But if you compare the price of electric trikes across the industry, most of these cost well into the three thousands of dollars. Some of them are four or five thousand dollars. So there are a few other e-trikes out there that are less than twenty five hundred bucks, but they're from some smaller brands, some boutique builders, and some just like you know straight up kind of Alibaba style imports. So this was a big launch from what is obviously a major brand, the largest North American e-bike maker. Uh, the rad trike here. So uh, super exciting, in my opinion. What, what we have here is is basically you know a three wheeler. We all know what a trike looks like. It is a delta trike, which means it has the two wheels in the back, not the front, which is the more stable way to build a trike. So you know we would have loved to have seen a a trike with two wheels in the front, but that's going to be more expensive. So we've got a an old school delta trike setup, but it's not something that um, you know is going to be too massive. It's a folding trike. It's got smaller wheels at 18 inches. Uh, so it's it's designed to be you know as compact as possible for a big bike. And it's really going to open the door to uh, people who aren't comfortable riding a two-wheeler. Maybe they have balance issues, um, but also for utility as well. You know, you can put a big basket on the back. It, of course, has the mount in the front for a basket. And so this could be a big cargo platform that you don't have to worry about tipping over the way that you might with a um, typical cargo bike that you have to, you know, support all that weight at stops, especially when you have weight high up on a cargo bike with something like this, uh, a three wheeler, you never really have to worry about, you know, balancing it because it's just a super stable platform. Of course, the, the downside of trikes is that that stability in corners is not as good. Whereas a bike leans into corners, a trike tends to feel tippy in the corners. So the way Rad approached that was that they made the, the rear as wide as they possibly could while keeping it narrow enough to still fit through a doorway. So it's pretty wide on the, on the rear back there. You'll find it's wider than a lot of trikes, and that should help it be not too tippy. But, um, you know, the, it's sort of a trade-off there, I'd say, between stability at rest and stability in the turns. Uh, another way they sort of, you know, headed off that issue at the pass is that they didn't make the bike very fast. It's limited to 14 miles an hour, which, you know, sounds super slow. But if you've ever ridden a trike, when you're doing 14 or 15, it, it feels like a lot faster than it is. So I think that's, you know, another way to make sure that people who are getting back onto a bike after many years don't get in over their heads with, you know, a 20 mile per hour trike and, and flip themselves over. But uh, for me, I'm very excited to see this. And I think it's going to open a lot of doors for people. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I love the idea. Uh, my mother-in-law is kind of uh, in that uh, general category of possible trike users. And um, this sounds really good for her. Um, you know, obviously, like, 
this isn't for everyone. This is going to be, you know, a letdown if you're, if you're used to going 20, 25 miles per hour. Um, but it's also like, I couldn't tell if it's, it's, it's a folding bike. You can actually fold it up. Right? Yeah. It's got a, a folding mechanism in the middle and then it's also at the uh, handlebars. So if you're just loading it in a car, you could, you know, fold the bars down or maybe the back of a, an SUV maybe. So you could just fold the bars down and, and slide it right in. But if you need it to be even smaller, it does fold in half. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's good for, you know, taking to the beach perhaps, or, you know, uh, some bike trails. Um, I do, I do think this is like, you know, limited use, uh, kind of situation, which it kind of justifies the higher price. It's not like rad is going to be making a trillion of these, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it seems like, you know, a, a, a good product in a, in an area that, um, you know, we'd like to see innovation in. Um, so the price 2,500 bucks, right? Yes. Uh, that's a little bit high for a typical, you know, starter set, but you get, you know, the, the rear wheel, the axle, like it's not just, um, your, your typical e-bike. You get that seat with the back. Um, do, do these, uh, baskets come with it or those are add-ons? Unfortunately they don't come with it. Yeah. There's a lot of money in accessories. So, uh, I, you know, I would have loved to see them included because especially that back basket, I think that should basically be like mandatory equipment. Like what's the point of just having nothing back there? Right. I guess you could have like a stand for kids or something. Um, so that that's what I was thinking, but they actually made a point of saying that it's not rated for passengers. And so they don't want to like encourage people to put kids back there. I think that's probably the lawyer side of the company talking. Yeah. And to me, that's a bummer because one of the biggest uses for trikes uh, in Tel Aviv where I live is you always see families with like two or three kids on the back on like a long bench, dropping them uh -huh. off at school. So it's like, you know, a perfect second family vehicle. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great thing. And, and I, it might just be me, but I feel like the tires look a little bit like these are 20 inch kind of like the rad rad runner tires, right? Uh, they're actually 18s. Oh, that's why they look smaller. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. It's like another non-standard rad tire. So, I mean, I guess 18s probably exist out there in the, in the world, but. Yeah. It's um, like a, a, a less standard, you know, there are 18s you can buy, you know, various uh, 18 inch tires from, from brands, but it's not like, you know, every bike shop stocks them kind of thing. Right. And I guess that does keep the, the weight low, you know, keeps the bike down a little bit lower than uh, bigger, bigger wheels would. So that's a good thing. Um, I mean, you know, like I, I, I think it's not for everyone, obviously, but uh, for a certain segment of the population, it's nice to have this option. Uh, it's going to get some people back on the bike that normally probably wouldn't be on there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. And you're going to have a test for us in a couple of weeks or months. Yeah, I think in uh, about 10 days or so. So uh, not oh, cool. too far from now, I should start testing. Nice. Yeah, All right, uh, moving on. Uh, our old buddies at Bosch are urging the U.S. to adopt stricter e-bike regulations that helped it dominate the European market. Real quick, uh, one of the uh, e-bike CEOs that I talked to recently uh, had really nasty things to say about Bosch. And, you know, obviously, this is not uh, somebody who, uh, you know, is, is in the same classification as, as Bosch. 
but apparently uh, they're known throughout the uh, e-bike industry as kind of pushing pushing uh, others around and kind of making things rough for the, the smaller bike companies. So with that in mind, let's talk about this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important to sort of understand the context of the e-bike market here. So Bosch, obviously, it's a huge company. Um, their e-bike division is also huge. They make complete uh, electric bicycle drive units. So that means the motor, the controller, the battery, the display, like everything all in one. That's what they build. And in Europe, they're like the dominating force, right? I mean, so many electric bikes in Europe use a Bosch system. There are others, you know, we see Brozo, we see Yamaha, et cetera, but Bosch is like the go-to for so many brands. In the US, it's a lot more fragmented. You know, there are Bosch powered e-bikes, but they're certainly not a majority. Uh, if anything, I would say probably hub, hub motors are a majority in the US and you'll find Bosch on, on higher end bikes. But one of the reasons that Bosch is so successful in Europe is that there are stricter regulations uh, in many places that cover the entire e-bike drive system. And so because Bosch manufactures everything under one roof, they are uh, more able to get these certifications. And of course, being a larger company, they can afford you know, the UL testing, that sort of thing, to uh, basically document the fact that they conform to this uh, complete e-bike system uh, certification. In the U.S., we don't really have that. We have, um, you know, some e-bike companies will do UL testing on their batteries to prove that they meet um, UL standards for lithium batteries, but there's no requirement. The Consumer Product Safety Commission doesn't say, you know, you have to have some complete e-bike certification. And Bosch would certainly like to see that changed for uh, a number of reasons. The you know more outward reasons that they're saying is that it would promote safety. When you have to certify that all of the parts of the bike work together safely, then you know that you know, you're not gonna mismatch a battery and some wacky controller and create a fire hazard, that sort of thing. The downside of that is that it's much harder for smaller companies to compete and especially smaller e-bike companies that use sort of the a la carte approach. They'll you know, have a battery from one supplier, a motor from another, a controller from a third, that sort of thing. So they would have to then go and get the entire e-bike system certified through, you know, UL or any of these other certification uh, companies that do testing. Um, and that's like a huge uh, barrier for smaller companies. And so uh, on that side, you know, they're saying, well, this would certainly, you know, uh, push us out of the market or make it much harder for us to compete with these massive companies like Bosch. And so you get this sort of uh, trade-off where obviously it, it certainly would be a safety boost if, if all of these e-bike systems had to be tested to confirm that everything works together safely. And no one is against e-bike safety, of course, but you know it, it has to still be a, a, a fair marketplace as long as companies can compete in a safe manner. So I, I see what Bosch is saying in terms of, you know, we want to make sure that you know, e-bikes are safe no matter who makes them, but it is a little bit self-serving if they're one of the companies that benefits from these strict regulations like we see in the European market. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and, the, you know, the, the competitors can say, you know, like, look what happened in Europe. Basically, they took over because, you know, there was, there was, you know, they have all this, this money to throw at, you know, certification, and, um, you know, basically they're spending a lot of money on lobbying as well. So, uh, yeah, I know it's it's kind of a rough situation. The flip side is, yes, you know, like batteries catching on fire in garages and, 
you know, in apartment buildings and bike shops is, is bad for the e-bike industry. Um, so, you know, what, what do you do there? I don't know. I don't know what <clears throat> the, the solution is exactly, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that the U S market's going to turn on a dime like that. I think even, even if they're successful, there'll, there'll be some, some leeway to get, uh, you know, more interesting bikes through the, through the, uh, system. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. Electric moped maker Brecker uh, unveils belt drive electric bike with automated shifting. So I don't know if you'll remember this, Seth. It was a while ago, but in 2021, we actually tested the moped uh, sort of like light motorcycle from this company. This is a Dutch company that they started with the Model B, um, and now they're rolling out the Model F, which is actually a uh, electric bicycle with full functional pedals. And it's something of like a Dutch take on a Super 73, I would say. Um, you know, it follows the same design inspiration from their Model B, which was that main strut running from the head tube down to the rear axle. But it adds that long bench seat and a tubular frame to support the uh, pedals, which, in my opinion, looks very much like a Super 73. Though at this point, I think every moped looks like a, a Super 73. Right. So, um, you know, it is a very neat design. And as much as I like the way it looks, the real bummer here is the performance. Because it's a European electric bike, it is limited to that 250 watt and 25 kilometer per hour or 50 mile per hour limit. So you get what looks like a, you know, super awesome, powerful looking e-bike that is basically like, you know, neutered down into this toy of an e-bike, which to me is a shame when you have something that, that looks this cool. Is there like, is there a way to unlock it or is there, you know, a U.S. version coming or something like that? Uh, there doesn't appear to be any U.S. version. If anything, the first version is only going to be available in the Netherlands. And then they're going to have a second version that's in like Germany, Belgium and, and somewhere else, I think. And then the third version will be available across Europe. But there's no discussion of a, of a U.S. version yet, which is unfortunate because, um, you know, you have a good point that that's where you'd be able to open it up and have, you know, 750 watts and 28 miles per hour instead of such a, you know, slow and, and sort of weak e-bike. Yeah, I mean, it, from the size of the uh, rear hub motor, it actually looks like a, a genuine 250-watt motor. It's not like one of those don't cut the red cable because <laughs> if you do that, it's going to be really fast. <clears throat> situations it looks like it's a genuine 250 i mean i guess you could always just buy something on alibaba and, and put a big uh, hub motor back there or something but yeah at that point you're like i mean you're taking the the risk of running afoul of the law i know in europe there the police are actually more vigilant about um modified e-bikes and illegal e-bikes as opposed to the u.s where no one really knows much about e-bike laws yet so, you know, you'd have to be a little careful with that, but certainly I, I see the motivation to want to make this thing faster and more powerful. Yeah. Because I mean, 250 Watts on a, you know, a bike bike, uh, it makes sense because it's small. This like, looks like a lot of weight, a lot of tires. Uh, so 250 Watts isn't going to push this thing very fast. In my opinion, I don't think it's going to go, you know, 20 miles per hour, even probably too well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's limited to fifteen, so you'll never 15. even find yeah. out. <laughs> I know, I know that it just seems like, oh, that's like fifteen miles per hour is you know kind of easy to get to on a, with pedals. Like, uh, I don't even know. I guess for hills, it's good, but um, 
yeah i don't know uh i guess we're spoiled over here right yeah we're, like... we're super spoiled and it's funny because when we tested those model b's um yeah. those were also power limited and i think speed limited as well because we were in germany i think there are different regulations in germany than there were in the netherlands so even those that we tested were kind of like neutered down to you know slower performance we tested those at like the bike show right or the iaa or something. iaa yeah yeah well i mean that was like an enclosed area we couldn't really open it up anyway yeah but, but, uh, but even then they didn't even feel that powerful like you know no. really cool looking design but you know when you when you have something that just looks like it's so much more powerful than it is you wind up yeah. with a super underwhelming experience even if it you know performs just as well as every other um you know bike that maxes out the legal limit yeah i, I mean like it would be rough to go to the the europe right now like if i wanted to move to germany or france or something and my bike options would be pretty limited and i'd probably a little bit underwhelming i think we're quite spoiled here yeah i mean the the one thing that i do have to say is is they do have sort of the equivalent of class 3 e-bikes in europe but they are regulated like uh motorcycles, motorcycles. basically yeah so you need yeah. you know insurance license registration that's probably what i would be doing <laughs> setting up something like that and here's something i would be riding the new 1500 watt full suspension electric bike pushes envelope with all-wheel drive so speaking of American e-bikes, I think uh, Super Monarch is is one of the sort of uh, bikes that is best exemplifies what is a U.S. market e-bike. So this is from a company called eCells. They're based in Nevada, I think, and they make several different versions of the Super Monarch. This is their latest version. It's the all-wheel drive 1500 dual crown. So it's got the dual crown fork up front, which is sort of a motorcycle style fork. And this thing is just, first of all, it's double everything. So double batteries, double motors, uh, dual suspension. Like it's just, it's basically two e-bikes smushed into one, if you think about it. And it's, I, I've ridden past versions of this one and the thing just rips. I mean, with that all-wheel drive, if you just turn on one of the two motors, which you can control like forward or rear wheel drive, you can already do burnouts. But then when you put both of them on at once, I mean, it's, you just start like giggling if you get it into the dirt because you can just start like slinging rocks in every direction. It, it feels like you're on a dirt bike or an all-wheel drive dirt bike, yet you have the ability to actually like pedal it in the bike lane. And, you know, because it is a mountain bike style bike, it even pedals decently well. It's got a torque sensor. It's got, I think, nine levels of pedal assist. So it certainly looks like something you would think, oh, no one's ever going to like ride that like a bike. But in fact, you certainly could use it as like, you know, a, a pedal assist level two, three, get in a, a bit of a workout and then, you know, take it to the trails and use the throttle and just like rip around. So it's kind of an interesting somewhere in between bike. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. And it, you know, it kind of uh, it, it it's that space between <clears throat> a typical e-bike and and uh you know like a, a motor pedalac i guess um you know it's funny um our youtube algorithm kind of threw down there uh the super Mon monarch 2.2 kilowatt with uh uh with uh dual motors as well same kind of idea there um but this one comes in a little bit more expensive. I think what is what is the price on this one? Fifteen hundred? No. Uh, so this is, I think, 
in the low five thousands. I think it's oh, at the okay. bottom of the post there. Um, maybe okay. like fifty one hundred, something like that. Um, and I oh, don't know. I think it's a little higher above that picture. Okay, uh, maybe somewhere in the middle. Oh, there it is. So yeah, it's it's certainly expensive. Uh, it does have good suspension, so this isn't you know like cheap uh, Alibaba suspension. This is like RockShox suspension, um, high quality uh, quad piston disc brakes. So you know, there's a lot of nice parts. It's nice still bike. yeah, quite expensive though for sure. Yeah, um, that's just interesting. Um, I, I need to get myself on an all-wheel drive bike. I don't think I've really ridden one besides like at the bike shows. Oh yeah, they're they're fun. It, it takes a while to get used to, and you can get yourself into trouble if like, especially when that front wheel starts spinning out, which mm-hmm. is not a sensation that we're used to, like having your front right. wheel spin out. Is that? I mean, I wonder if that's kind of, you know, you have the battery on over the back wheel, but you will have another battery, you know on the down tube and then you have the motor on the front wheel. So I, I guess the weight is probably distributed pretty well, but you know, anytime I see a, a battery over the back wheel af- after having driven the, uh, uh, Pedigo, uh, city commuter, I, I'm always like, Oh, I didn't like that sensation of like being, you know, in half wheelie mode all the time. Yeah. Well, this one, it's, I can tell you this one from when I rode the past versions, the whole thing is so heavy that you don't get that feeling. Like you certainly feel planted. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the Pedego, like it tried to be as light as it could while being a heavy bike. And with all that weight in the rear, definitely like, you know, that front wheel is just so light, but this one, the whole thing is so dang heavy. And even that dual crown fork up front probably adds five pounds right there. Right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Definitely a bike for a specific audience. (laughs) <laughs> all right moving on uh mate is it that how you is it mate mate i don't I know assume it's mate mate's new suv cargo electric bike is designed to replace the family car that would be nice yeah this is such an interesting design because like you know we've seen trikes before and like we talked about the rad trike there are two styles this is the second style where you've got the two wheels in the front so it's often called a tadpole trike but the uh, Mate SUV here, it's not just a Tadpole trike. They really designed it to be sort of like the future of cargo electric bikes, especially front loaders with that front bucket. So it's uh, very modular. The front bucket there, it's designed to be swapped out. So, um, you know, it can have like uh, child carriers. It can have cargo things. You can have canopies. Um, they're, it seems like they're working on quite an ecosystem of accessories there. They've got another year or so before it comes out. So we're probably going to see more accessories in there, but it's also, uh, you know, really designed for being on the road. It's got uh, light strips that surround it. So from the front, from the rear, from the sides, you know, anywhere around the bike, you can easily spot it. It's not just like, you know, a normal bike light. That's like a tiny little dot. It's designed to be quite visible. Um, and it is, you know, fairly expensive. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, five to 6,000 euros. Like this thing is not, uh, low cost, but, um, you know, it does have good parts. It's got a Broza motor, um, especially with all of those different, uh, accessories that swap in very, you know, interesting design from that sense that you could really replace a family car with it, but it's, it's, I would say super pricey as I think the technical, uh, term for, for bikes like this. Uh, but you know, in terms of a, an actual car replacing a bike, especially for Europe, where this is going to be available, I don't think they're going to bring this one to the U.S. So for Europe, I could actually see families using this as like a main family vehicle. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like the dream to to be able to take your family around in this. Although you could probably not take two adults on this in any comfortable, you know, acceptable way. But um, certainly as a second car replacement, I think that's kind of where they're angling it. And it's a smart way to do it because you know if you're if you have a price in the six thousand range, uh, it's expensive. But when you compare it to the price of a car, which which I think they did down here. Yeah, thirty thousand dollar, thirty thousand euro uh, car versus a sixty five hundred dollar, sixty five hundred euro bike. That's not a bad. That's like ah, oh, sixty five hundred. That's you're saving a lot. Yeah, and then and you I know, think of course, the fuel and everything else. Yeah, and and you know they even pitch it there. They're saying you know the price of a second car. So I think for a lot of people, you know, when you talk about replacing a vehicle, it's like no, you know, I need a car in my life. I get it. Like you know, for a lot of people, it's hard to imagine life without a car, but so many people that are two car families, especially those that live in a city, could so much more easily be a one car and one e-bike family. So I think they're really trying to make that point. And it's something that I think, you know, people certainly need to consider more often is that a second car shouldn't be the default. You know, think about other alternative vehicles that could be a second vehicle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in addition to the money savings, like you have a whole lot more options when, you know, bike lanes and and you know, getting instead of parking in parking lots, you're parking right up against the venue that you're going to. Um, it's more enjoyable. A lot of other like intangibles there for getting a bike yeah. instead of a car. I mean, the the parking thing as someone who like you know lives in a city, just you know not having to search around for parking, like forget about paying, like huge weight uh, um, cost savings, but just like the time it takes to find parking sometimes when you're in a car, like when my wife and I roll up on a bike or our scooters, like, Oh my gosh, it is just so much nice. I feel like the parking thing should be at the top of the list for, for second car reasons or second yeah, bike replacements. It's funny. Um, sometimes uh, my wife and I will go to the same venue, her in the car and me in a bike. And of course she'll beat me down the road, but by the time she finds parking and, you know, walks from the parking spot to like the school is usually the place where uh, we go in, in two separate vehicles. Um, I'm usually, you know, I roll right up to the door, park my bike, and she's you know, just arriving at that point. So it actually saves time, too, in certain uh, cases because of the, the parking issue. Absolutely. All right. Uh, moving on. Oh, our old friend Saunders, Metacycle Electric Motorcycles are now delivering to over half of the U.S., yeah, we've seen Saunders kind of start to right the ship here. So with their low-cost uh, Metacycle, it's their, it started out a $5,000 electric motorcycle. Now it's $6,500. But, you know, in the electric motorcycle industry, that's quite low cost. Um, the bike started with a lot of issues. So not just the bike, but the whole rollout. So they were about eight or nine months behind schedule with rolling it out. Um, once they did get the bikes out, it was like a you know, crushingly slow delivery where a few people would get it. It was only in California in the beginning. They even stopped deliveries for a while because they had issues with um, having the proper certification to actually do deliveries. But they've they've really picked up deliveries again. It seems like they've brought in um, something like over a thousand motorcycles based on the publicly available import data that people have pulled from uh, customs. And now they're actually in over half of the US. So they've, they've delivered, um, you know, finalized deliveries in 12 states. And then um, they have uh, bikes on the way to a number of others. So 
They're in the process of deliveries to 27 U.S. states right now, which is a huge turnaround from just a few months ago when they were only delivering in California. And even then it was like, you know, if you were in San Francisco, you, you weren't going to get your bike for a while because you weren't close enough to L.A. kind of thing. So it's it's good to see this moving forward. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that are still upset because it, it seems like Saunders doesn't have any rhyme or reason for the uh, delivery order. A lot of people thought like, OK, they'll just go down the list uh, based on order number, first come, first serve. But that hasn't been the case where a lot of people who were in like the second round of orders have gotten their bikes already and people who are in the first round are still waiting. Um, or people that are just, you know, much, much further down the list of the first orders are already getting them. And so as part of this update, Saunders also tried to clarify that they're sort of batch delivering based on color. So if you happen to live in a city where there are, you know, a bunch of the, you know, silver bikes or gray bikes now going there, you might get yours a lot late or a lot earlier than someone who ordered a black one, even if they were many months ahead of you in the order process. So it's, it's causing some, um, you know, anger and confusion on the part of customers there because a lot of people have been waiting at this point uh, almost two years for their metacycle, especially, you know, having paid in full almost two years ago. That's a long time to wait. But it does seem like the company is at least making good progress and expanding their deliveries significantly compared to where they were a few months ago. Yeah, a few things there. Uh, one, uh, we've seen in the auto industry, Tesla, Rivian, um, et cetera, have some troubles with the sequence of orders and it's quite frustrating because you know with tesla um you know the, the model three deliveries the model y deliveries pretty much every delivery from tesla they've you know they've taken orders they you you get in line and then at the end they just deliver to the nearest to the factory first and they kind of just branch out from there with no bit, you know, no attention to like when you order. People who order like three days ago get one, and you, <laughs> you're in New York and you're waiting two years. I'm not mad about it though. A little, <laughs> still a little bit mad, but you sound you know, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, I imagine Saunders is the same way. They're like, you know, we took orders, but hey, let's just get these things, you know, nearest to the shipping container or whatever. Uh, get these delivered as soon as we can so we can get our cash and make some more of these things. Um, the other thing is uh, Saunders, I think, had a, a little bit of an issue with the dealership license. Like they weren't quite legal to be a motorcycle dealer, but I, I guess that's that's taken care of now. Yeah, they got that finished, I think, the end of November. So since solving that issue, they seem to have really picked up deliveries quickly. But yeah, there were a few weeks there where they didn't deliver any bikes. Yeah, but I mean, now they're quite motivated because that's when they get the, the rest of their cash, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got a, a long list of uh, reservations to get through. And I think last time we looked at their uh, balance sheet, I think they had something like, uh, was like 15 million in pre-orders or something like that, that, you know, are uh, technically liabilities until they actually deliver them. And then, you right. know, that money becomes an asset. So they've, they've got a lot of, of reservations to fulfill still. So 15 million. And what was the, the down payment on those things? Um, the, the 500. I, yeah, I think it was 500, but you had to start paying like a thousand a month. It wasn't like you could just uh, wait right. with that. Yeah. So they start taking money pretty quickly. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, glad to see these getting delivered. Glad to see them out on the roads now. Um, you know, there was some concern if they would even get made, but uh, Saunders, like they always 
somehow make it through this. So good yeah, for them. Good, good for the people that are getting their bikes. Yeah. Ne never exactly what they say it'll be, but it does show up in the end. That's like the company's MO. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they always promise something crazy and they deliver something like almost crazy or, you know, like, <laughs> eh, you know, you know what I mean? They'll get you 85% of the way there. <laughs> exactly. And, and if, as long as you go in knowing that you're not going to get exactly what they're promising, you're in good shape. All right. Moving on. Canadian motor, sorry, Canadian company launches electric motorcycle that converts into a snowmobile. Perfect for Canada. Yeah. Right. So uh, this is the uh, Daymac Combat, which is sort of a fat tire electric motorcycle. It's, it's not street legal. So, you know, it's not a dirt bike, but it's really like an off-road type motorcycle. And the cool thing about it is that it actually has a uh, kit that uh, you can get with it. I think it's, you know, a few extra thousand bucks, but it does swap it from a motorcycle for riding trails into basically a snowmobile or snow bike almost. So it's got a full, you know, track attachment on the back. It's got skis up front. Uh, you even still have your suspension that comes with it. So, uh, you know, it's a, a pretty nice looking snowmobile, but you don't have to have two separate vehicles you know you don't have to take up two spots in your garage you don't have to spend a lot of money on something that you only ride for the summer or the winter it gives you the chance to use the same bike all year round now it's not going to it's, uh, be you know the the best snowmobile or the best motorcycle usually whenever we have these hybrid type vehicles they make compromises on both sides so on the motorcycle side you know it doesn't have very large diameter wheels uh, it only goes 44 miles an hour or 70 kilometers per hour. And it doesn't have a particularly large battery at just under five kilowatt hours. So kind of limited specs on the snowmobile side. To be honest, I don't really know what makes a good snowmobile because I don't have a lot of snowmobiling experience. But I'm guessing that something that started life as a compromise of a motorcycle is not going to be like a, you know, prime rate snowmobile but i don't know do you know more about snowmobiles maybe correct me if i'm wrong here yeah so i, I i'm surprised you don't get any snowmobiling in between uh miami and uh tel aviv that's weird uh <laughs> so yeah i'm actually in vermont about to, to hit the slopes they had 12 inches of snow last night so it was mandatory for me to get up here um so i i actually don't know too much about snowmobiles i've actually never even driven one i've been on the back of one uh, a few times but um so i don't know what what makes a good snowmobile experience uh but i do know that uh fred talks quite highly of the taiga ones that uh electric snowmobiles that are made uh, near him up in quebec so uh sorry i can't add any you know expertise there but these do look fun yeah he's even got a, a reservation for one right the uh, electric snowmobile Oh yeah, I think it's a you know it's a status symbol and and it's like skates like you could, it's just one of those things you have up when there. You go to Canada, you get issued your skates and your snowmobile. Yep, and your hockey stick. All right, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, Indian man builds six seater electric uh, bike for one hundred fifty dollars and it absolutely rips. Indian man like Florida man or. <laughs> Something like that. It's it's yeah. uh, the, the Florida man of the East. So this is a, a pretty ingenious design here. Basically, he took 
the uh, the components that you'd normally see on like an electric scooter, like a, a Vespa style electric scooter. And he built a custom frame. So it's kind of a ladder frame. It looks like a tandem bike. It's basically <laughs> it's kind just... of a ladder frame or it's just a ladder. Like <laughs> you just pulled a ladder. Just he welded a, a fork onto a ladder, added suspension okay. in the back. <laughs> there you go. And uh, and created a six seater electric motorcycle, basically. I mean, it's it's funny because each each seat is different. It looks like, you know, one came off a tractor, a few came off yep. exercise bikes. Like, you know, <laughs> the the handlebars are just straight pipe. The the foot pegs also, it's just, you know, straight pipe. Yeah, um, but it works. Yeah, exactly. And you can see it's got a, like a giant lithium battery on the back there. Seemingly yeah, like zip tied on, I think. that Those might be, uh, what do you call this? Elastic straps. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's something not uh, UL listed, I'm sure. Well, it's just quick release, right? Right. Yeah, hot swappable. Hot so, swappable. Um, but he, he says it actually gets like uh, 90 miles or 150 kilometers of range. And it's not just like something that he built. Um, it's actually, uh, you know, we have videos of it riding around with six people on it. Uh, and it seems to work really well. Uh, in a second there, the video is going to have people like on a highway. And what for something that, that uh, you know, was basically welded together out of trash, it appears. <laughs> it seems to work. Oh, is it the other? Oh, here we go. Yeah. I mean, these guys I like are like. Nobody's flying. wearing a helmet. It, I think some people aren't wearing shoes either. Oh, God. Yeah. There's like there's, maybe sandals. Open toe. That's fine. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of safety equipment on this, though. Uh, I haven't been to India myself, but every time I see videos of people riding scooters and motorbikes in India, I, I'm not sure one of them I've ever seen a helmet. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, wind in your hair country, I guess, in that sense. But from the at least from the engineering side, it's it's pretty cool because I think it shows off just how simple these vehicles really are. You know, like mm -hmm. if you wanted to build a, uh, you know, like a custom gas motorcycle, there's so much more that goes into it. But if you just have like you know basic parts laying around from a you know a trashed electric scooter or something, it's like you know a motor, a battery, a controller, and a throttle, and, and a four parts and a ladder. Yeah. And you're good to go. You can actually like, you know, put together a fully functional six seater, in this case, electric scooter. So it's it's kind of, you know, an odd project for sure, but something that's fun to see and highlights just, you know, how simple this technology really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I see stuff like this, I love it. And I'm also like very scared for the people at the same time. But yeah, this one, like, it's not just super simple he's got full suspension on this thing which like is going to come in real handy if you know they're they're going pretty fast and uh you know you don't want to be the the guy in the middle with, with flying up in the air this thing actually looks like it it moves out like it's pretty fast um yeah absolutely that, that's a big battery in the back so you know i would think it would be pretty fast um i don't see a wire going down he must have like Maybe put the wire inside the the thing there. I don't know. That would be impressive if it has, uh, yeah, internal routing for for the wires. Um, one other thing that was kind of neat was so the guy that tweeted this is actually um, he's not the chairman. I don't think of Mahindra, but he's someone high up on the Mahindra board or like one of the Mahindras. So um, you know, from a very large uh, Indian automotive manufacturer, it's like the size of GM basically. Right. who was basically sharing this guy's 
um, project here and saying like, you know, this could have huge implications. Like, you know, we could build these super cheap and create like, you know, almost like a tour bus for uh, in an electric motorcycle format. So kind of neat that it also got picked up by someone who is so supportive and also happens to basically run one of the largest automotive companies in the world. Yeah, that's super impressive. I love it. Uh, I always love seeing stuff like this on uh, Reddit and other places. So it's cool. Yeah, All right. We're, we're big uh, supporters last... here of DIY. <laughs> For sure. Um, and I should note that uh, this is our last post. So if anybody has any questions, please put them in the uh, comments. I know we started way early today because of the, the snowboarding, but uh, we'll uh, hopefully maybe we'll see somebody uh, some questions here. Our last one is uh, POL Lux is a solar powered boat that turns into a camper on the water. Love this. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. So uh, first of all, this is an electric catamaran. So it's got like a twin hole type setup. Um, it's got two electric motors in back there, uh, pretty you know standard electric outboard style. Um, and it's got a modular setup. So you can choose different types of seating. Uh, it's got an asymmetrical console. So it's off to one side, which makes it so you've got more of like a um, you know, conversation pit style seating. You get like, I think it's 13 people is the max capacity for the boat. So it's really designed to be sort of a social experience. Um, it's not just like a, you know, go out by yourself fishing kind of thing. It's even got this cool, um, you know, net across the front, like a lot of catamarans have. So you can like lay down over the water while you're underway. But really the, the cool part about this is that it's, it's not just an electric boat and it's not just a solar electric boat, which by the way, it's solar powered, but it's also a camper. So it's got a uh, sort of pop-up tent. So the, the walls go up, gives you some privacy and it's got two beds there. So the um, seats convert into a bed and then it's got a second bed that is suspended kind of like a hammock, which as someone who gets motion sickness, the idea of being on a swaying bed on a boat is like already get me a little queasy right here in my office right. chair. But for those with a strong stomach, that would probably be a pretty cool way to uh, to camp out on the water. So that's a pretty cool feature itself. But the other thing that's, that's certainly worth noting is that the uh, the solar aspect of this boat, it's not just gimmicky. Like, uh, you know, some solar boats or solar cars, they have like a little solar panel and they get a little bit of range. This one, it can actually power it uh, even if the batteries are dead. At a, It is a slower speed, so it goes like four knots if it's only being powered by the solar panel, whereas the um, the full top speed under battery power as well is something like 11 to 13 knots, I want to say. So you're, you're limited to like, you know, a third of the power, but you can even go with a dead battery. So if you were out there and your battery died, you'd be in like limp hole mode on solar power, which is pretty neat in and of itself, I think. As long as it's daytime. As long as it's daytime, yeah. You might, right. If it's nighttime, you better, you know, pitch that tent and, and wait. The, or the paddles come out. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, tent. yeah, no, this is a great idea. I love the idea, uh, you know, especially if you live on a quiet lake or, you know, you don't want to make a lot of noise. Um, and camping out, it's kind of, you know, like van life for boats. Um, speaking of this, how is your, uh, solar boat going? So I am excited to say that the boat itself has arrived in the U S I just recently had it trucked to, uh, my parents' property, which is also home of the mini electric truck. If anyone knows about that project. So I've got to be a museum. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so now there's a, um, like a 15 foot wooden crate in my parents' garage sitting there taking up a ton of space, which I have been reminded of a couple of times already. I'm sure they love that. They, oh, they love yeah. that whole, whole garage the, being full of. The good thing stuff. is it's only like, uh, it's only like four feet tall or something. So they've got a bunch of crap like piled on top of it for now. It's, yeah. it's a surface until I get there, but soon, uh, in the next, uh, probably two weeks or so, uh, I'll be headed back. I'll be uncrating or unboxing my uh, electric boat. And I'm excited to get that thing in the water. We'll start it in. Um, my parents have about a one acre lake on the property. So it's like, you know, a nice oh, wow. safe place that uh, if it does go under, I can at least like just sort of doggy paddle to the shore. <laughs> so that'll be like the the proving grounds for it. That's that's uh, very convenient uh, to have your own, like, I guess, one acre lake is more like a pond, but uh, that's even the uh, excavation or what do you call that when you rescue a boat from the bottom of the water? That That's even, you know, that's all yours. <laughs> Nobody's going to go down and steal your boat. Yeah. If it's, if you're in like a pond, do you have to go down with the ship if you're the captain or if you can like kind of reach out and grab land, are you allowed to, <laughs> to do that? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, you're going to be deep. fine. <laughs> that, that thing's going to be fine. Like it's, I'm sure it's seaworthy or yeah. lake worthy or pond worthy. Pond worthy. I'm not worried about. Eventually I want right. to take it out on a river in uh, Florida. We've got all those nice rivers that lead out to bays and gulfs. So that one right. is going to be questionable. I think it'll be like fine in terms of not sinking. The bigger question will be if it's powerful enough to like fight the current to come back when I'm done. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Probably start going up current. Well, another great week of uh, electric bikes and other fun stuff. Uh, the questions didn't come. I, I know it's early here, but uh, we're all we're all set. Perfect. So we'll let uh, Seth get out and hit the slopes. And thank you guys, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be excited to see you in another two weeks for another episode of the Wheelie Podcast. See you next time, everyone. <laughs>